0: Hello, Maker of Minnesota friends and fans. We have a very special event coming up. I'm hosting a series of Makers of Minnesota dinners at the Lexington in St. Paul, and I'm so excited. Not only will you be front and center with some of the best makers in the Twin Cities, but you'll be treated to a three-course dinner, compliments of Chef Antonio from the Lexington, and he'll be using the featured maker's ingredients in all the courses that he's making for this special event. Our September dinner is Tuesday, September 28th, and tickets are $98. Our featured makers are the talented folks from Alamar Cheese, Red Table Meats, Bakersfield Flour and Bread, and Trace Leches in the food building in Northeast Minneapolis. We will be the exclusive diners in the restaurant for the entire evening, and you will mingle with me and your favorite makers and taste their wonderful products. And a special treat, You can even pre order the first ever Makers of Minnesota holiday box filled with my favorite products from makers all around the Twin Cities. We'll have a limited number of tickets for this special event. And when they're gone, they're gone. So go to thelexmn.com and sign up via Eventbrite for the first Makers of Minnesota dinner featuring the talented makers of the food building, including the delicious cheese from Alomar Cheese, breads from Bakersfield Flour and Bread, meats from Red Table Meats and Elixirs, and tinctures from Trace Leches. Get your tickets now at thelexmn.com. listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and I am here with some interesting folks today from a new collaboration. None of these folks are new to what they're doing but it's a new collaboration that's happening out at the food building and I got a chance to take a quick peek in the space that's being built out. It's Trace Leches and I'm here with Marco Zappia and Dustin Wynn and Adam Witherspoon. Did I do it right?
1: Mm. Nailed
2: it. Oh, okay. Perfect.
0: <laughs> um, you guys are doing a fermented cocktails, uh, non-alcoholics, all of the things that you have been known to do, Marco. And I am assuming you guys know how to do these things too, and that's why you're all coming together. Um, Dustin, how did you meet Marco and Adam?
3: Uh, I met Marco Adam, yeah. by hunting them down. I really enjoyed making cocktails in my mother's basement in high school. i like sneak out and uh, make them like, the worst drinks. And when I was in, the, in college, I I had like found my calling through cocktails. And I uh, read up on all the bartenders and where they bartended and what kind of drinks I made. And um, I thought Marco was really talented and I wanted to learn from him. So... Um, applied over at Eat Street Social and got a call back and I've never really looked back since.
0: I love it. And Adam, how about you?
2: Yeah, I was on my way to sell my body and soul to LA, but then I got inspired by the cocktail and through, you know, I think the way we all kind of go about it and we just like bother our favorite bartenders as much as we can until they get sick of us. Um, I was about to go to Spoon and Stable and then destiny intervened and marco and i met and uh had a short-lived bar called cena and from there it was uh yeah it was all in couldn't came stop. on ready yeah. to go we we're family <laughs>
0: M- marco is that pre- I- i'm assuming that's pretty common because that is sort of what uh people do as chefs is they find someone they're inspired by yeah. they'll do a stage that happens i'm assuming in your industry too yeah who, who taught you how did you learn
1: um, a couple different mentors. Uh, bartending side. Um, I joined the restaurant industry at uh, Social's, um, Sam Bonin and Joe Wagner. And um, I just got fresh from South America. And my hair was down to here. And I, I smelled terrible. And, uh, <laughs> they gave me a little dishwashing job, busboy action, kind of worked my way up. And then when Northeast Social was opening their second spot, Eat Street, um, Nick Kosovich and Ira Kopowitz of it, so Bitter Cube, kind of took me under their wing and I was bothering them and um, started driving out to Madison to make the bitters and that's where I met Dustin and then Adam and we've been in the trenches together for eight years Mm -hmm. around there.
2: Long time in bartender world. Yeah,
3: yeah, a lifetime in bartender world. Dustin,
0: did you grow up in Madison?
3: No, I was born in Winnipeg, Canada. Oh. And moved down to the States to chase the American dream. So... (laughs) I'd like
0: to move up to Canada and chase the Canadian dream right about now. But, you know, Montreal is a pretty great city.
3: I love Montreal.
0: Oh, Oh, me too. My brother-in-law lives there. And I just, you go there. It's it's one of the most cosmopolitan cities. So, Marco, can you guys talk about, so you're at Food Building. Did Kieran seek you out? Because he's kind of got a way of finding a collective of people and bringing them along with him and some of the things that he's working on. And he obviously bought this building.
1: I first, uh, we first started hanging out with Karen probably a year ago, and as the restaurants, COVID, all that jazz, we we're trying to, you know, articulate our vision, in the next chapter, and like what we wanted to do. And um, I think we we're all feeling a little lost in that direction. And I think like many, um, trying to find you know, that purpose statement, mission statement, and really clear visioning. And um, I would always seeing kieran and had a tremendous amount of respect for him and kind of approached him just from a mentorship capacity and we started tasting out some of the jazz we were working on and then i started meeting all the makers here at the food building and like this really incredible ecosystem started to like unveil itself and you're know, like I, I i see us here and kind of creating this cross-pollination of yeah. ideas and creativity and so uh,
0: I think, too, this building's been open for a while, but I think the makers they have in this particular moment, you know, I'll just say it. Some makers, you're creative beasts, right? Some of you are easy to get along with. Some of you are more temperamental. (laughs) I think this particular group that's here right now feels very collaborative and like they want to make room for others. And, you know, not all creators want to work with other people, right? They just kind of want to do their thing and be left alone. So I feel like food building is at a really great juncture and I'm, you know, COVID kind of stopped everything. Like, yeah. how did, what did you guys do for money during COVID? Cause you couldn't really tend bar. I thought that was like, people were like, we want cocktails uh, to go, but it never happened.
3: We did a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. Only so, you know, so OnlyFans, mid caramels, <laughs> the usual.
0: You know what everybody else did. I'm going to look for you on OnlyFans. Yeah, I don't exactly, know how I'm going yeah. to,
3: but my kid will know. <laughs> and if you're naked, you're in yeah. trouble. I just <laughs> pictures of plants. And yeah. like that.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of cat happening during COVID, wasn't no. there? Cats and plants. We All started
1: right. a, a little permaculture project, but uh, one of our friend's properties up north in Mora. And uh, we'd always worked with botanicals and herbs, and um, we'd always source those from outside parties. And uh, we wanted to like, learn how to grow the stuff and we got really attracted to perennial systems, um, and then the Forever Green Initiative at the U of M, and uh, Don Weiss, and all those crazy cats, and like, there's so many cool agricultural projects out there, and just hanging out with farmers and running around, and so, trying to sell some stuff at the farmer's market. That
0: okay, so one. you got <laughs> into making herbs. Yeah. Legitimate ones, sounds like. Yeah. So, permaculture, were you using aquaponics? Were you just using... Um, tubes and PVC yep. and water systems.
1: Hydroponic mostly, and then berms and swales, and then kind of like a mandala pollinator garden, and just like trying to figure it out. And um, yeah, it's Burns hard to work. Berms and
0: swales—is yeah. that like um, piles of hay? And
1: yeah, so when rain comes down, usually it's a flat bed. And most like monocultures are just flat rows of grain not perennials. They're all annuals. The root structure is this deep, Super shallow, yeah. Super yep. shallow. So like every year, how many tons of dirt gets washed in the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico. Um, permaculture pretty much just means like a, you're trying to capture as much sunlight and maximize the potential of each acreage. So, you know, top canopy, under canopy, shrubs, and then lower soil yep. herbs. Um So berms and soil pretty much literally is like just a rolling hill and as the rain comes out it catches it and disperses it And
0: got it and uh, i've seen it yeah it's uh, kind of interesting when you're driving and you see that because you're like what is that you're trying to figure yeah. it out so That's you're doing very, that very cool. in mora and what literal herbs are you growing currently
1: everything can um to get turned on to minnesota natives um all the work that Alan is doing, Forager Chef, he's Isn't he he's just beautiful. crazy
0: yeah. amazing? <laughs> yeah. Such like, a
1: weirdo, and I love him. He he's is, the best. but
0: he is the best. And he somehow makes you feel like you can just go out in your backyard and start eating things. Yeah, And, you know, you can, but you should be more experienced like Alan, because I know a lot of people that poison themselves on mushrooms.
1: Yep, yep. Sometimes in a good way. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. Which is a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day.
1: Let's talk about mushrooms later. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: And those guys are in our cultivars. So cool. Uh, Like they have just blown up the mushroom scene in the Twin Cities. But again, another podcast. So, okay. So you guys started growing herbs and you're selling them at farmer's markets. And now you have your own. And Mm. tell me about what you're going to be making here. Because I think I was telling you. I'm trying to think of where I was. I was somewhere out and about, and I had someone said, do you want something to drink? And we have these things, and they gave me a can, and it was silver, and it literally had like a label taped on it. And I like had a sip of it, I was like, oh, I don't know what this is, but it's amazing, and it says Botanicals on there. And then in the very fine print, it said Tres Leches. I was like, oh, that's got to be Marco's something. I was drinking, it was a, I want to say it was like a a bubbly water.
1: Cool. Yeah. We're, um... We want to do a lot of things, um, focusing on three main categories: which is fermentation, maceration, and distillation. And the general idea or concept is to take raw materials, and then how do you apply technique to them to extract the most flavor? Um, and also taking other people's byproducts and trying to upcycle it. And, try, and our goal of this closed loop system: like, how do you? How many things can we do with this product? Okay. Um, so kombuchas, syrups. Um, acid modifiers, proxy wines, and vermouths, and koji, and misos, and garums, and uh, the too world much. is your oyster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what I want people to think about because it took me a long time to get this, and I don't know why, but all of a sudden one day it occurred to me that bartenders and people that specialize in in ferments and the cocktail world. That you're just chefs too like yeah. you know you think about chefs in a restaurant and heading up a food program but the great cocktail people in the twin cities and boy we've had a lot i kind of see you guys and this will maybe sound weird but i kind of see you as generation two mm. Because I see there were, like, people that were before you, and maybe they're the same age as you, but, you know, the Johnny Michaels and the um, Pip Hansons of the world and uh, Nick, certainly. Yep. And now you guys are kind of, in my mind, like the second group. And it'll be interesting to see who you will inspire and who the third group will be, because they're inevitably going to come knocking at your door.
1: They're going to be amazing. Way better than us, I guarantee it. Why do you think? <laughs> There's a, I don't know, is it good? dynamic change in the industry right now
0: and, and tell me about that from a lifestyle perspective or from a literal making of product perspective
1: i think both um yeah there's how we were trained in this uh ratios over recipes and that the classic cocktail is nothing there's no reinventing the wheel um i think we're in this modern bartending phase right now where it's riffs on riffs on classics and there's a certain um, kind of like potato head quality to it. And then we're just now starting to see glimmers of like what a postmodern cocktail world is going to be. And it's not defined yet, but you can see little inklings of it here and there.
0: And that's kind of funny because I think that happened in the food world, right? Yeah. With um, Grant Etchatz and some yeah. of the molecular gastronomy that was mm-hmm. happening around the country. And it came to the Twin Cities a little bit. Um, certainly Demi and what Gavin does over there I think took into consideration some of that and and now they're sort of the restaurant world seems like it's heading back retreating I guess as it were back Mm -hmm. to classics back to steakhouse maybe in a better way maybe in a more sustainable way can you guys talk a little bit and Adam and maybe this is a question for you your industry is changing a lot and hours that people work and expectations of hospitality seems like it's changing and obviously because COVID and we're just getting things open but like it seems like people are going to work less, people are going to not be open Sundays, Mondays and Tuesdays. Do you anticipate that that will be a lasting change or did that make an impact in your personal life?
2: Yeah, I mean I think, you know, going back to that new wave of people, that's going to be coming in you know unfortunately I like a lot of the ogs and a lot that i love we love and admire uh you know they left the industry for whatever reason good bad and different and you know the new people coming in get to see it with a fresh set of eyes i don't know if demand is the right word but they get to set a new precedent for like what this industry should look like they get to see the good and the bad and kind of pick and choose and be like if i'm going to do this there needs to be a better more sustainable way of going about it because i mean i can speak for us <laughs> but you know I, I think there's a little bit of in all of us and we did it seven days a week all day every day and we love it but you know we're trying to like pass on you know mis- the mistakes that we made and i think everybody coming up is gonna be fortunate enough to learn from those and um yeah, I think you're going to see I don't I don't know if that's the the Sunday Monday Tuesday close or if it's just uh, everybody, you know, fighting for universal health care or what exactly that's going to look like, but there's definitely going to be changes um, you know, can't go back to the status quo, nobody wants to go back to that. No, it
1: Marjorie Grimm's not hot anymore. No,
0: not
1: sexy. You
2: know, we were talking about that the other day.
0: I think I was talking with Chef Jack Rabel, who was as badass as anybody, you know, about hard work and paying your dues. And, you know, that guy's from St. Paul, and he came up to the School of Hard Knocks. And we were talking about, you know, when you used to go to work sick. Like, do you – I mean, we always went to work sick. That was the expectation. You couldn't call in sick on your shift. If you were, like, legitimately – on death's door, you still came and did your ship as best as you could. Sick, hungover. I need
1: need you to puke in front of me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, completely. And then then you you can can go go home. home. That's exactly
0: right. Like, you know, now in our settings, if someone even coughs, everybody just is like, oh, wow, okay, where are we at? I think, too, just, you talk about universal health care. This is the, like, last bastion, this industry, right? Like, You know, it was such an uproar to pay someone $12 an hour. Like, literally, if I think back to just two years, that's what we were fighting for, was for someone to get $12 an hour. You know, we still don't have a tip credit, which I think is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Front and back of the house, parity in wages, and no medical coverage, no mental health coverage, no, you know, uh, employee assistance programs, no nothing for an industry that is really large yeah. and impacts a lot of other producers and people and every developer wants to have a super cool swanky apartment building or maybe hotel with a swanky bar in the basement but you know like those things come at a cost and it's human capital and i think it almost did take the covid experience and the coronavirus to band the hospitality folks together and just be like no you know, we aren't going to risk our lives. We aren't going to do this anymore. And if we do, it's going to cost more. It's going to look different. Uh, I think John uh, Whipley from Animales, who was talking about, you know, right now I can sell a lot of ribs, but I'm going to have to charge $48 for a rack to sell those ribs. So it's forcing me to get more creative. It's forcing me to think about other vegetarian type things I can offer and compliments to that meat isn't necessarily the main all the time. It's more of the Accent, as it were, mm-hmm. it feels like that's just changing everywhere. Um, when you guys think about food building and your access to Bakersfield flour and bread and Alamar cheese and um, Element pasta and Red Table and meats, of course, the OG, yeah, he, Mike Phillips, yeah, yeah. he's mm-hmm. he's like it, it, he kind of reminds me of you in some ways. Like he was oh. the original cat at the Craftsman, and even before that.
1: I'm definitely not as cool as him. He's he's, he's pretty cool. is the best.
0: I know. He is pretty cool. And he's such a good dad. Like, that's hard to do, too. That's something to admire. Um, you're going to all be here in the big picture. Do you see, like, people coming into the space and you guys doing events together? And when we can all gather in a more collective way, do you see running a bar out of here?
1: Yeah. There's... Um... A lot of opportunity and a lot yeah. of excitement. And I think in this next chapter of the food building, there's just a very palpable uh, sense of like something magic is here and about to happen. And we're really grateful to be part of it. Um, yeah, events, bar, like what does cocktails look like with these upcycled ingredients? And yeah. It's like how do you, there's just so many possibilities. It's overwhelming.
2: Yeah. Oh, and I was going to say, working in a vacuum has never been our mo. You know, we don't do. I mean, mm-hmm. yep. we all love the process of doing this, but if it doesn't connect with well the people that it's actually you know meant for, and we can't talk to you and touch you, like radical, it,
1: relationships, yep, radical relationships, seeking the essence of something.
2: It's
0: well, and I think when you look at. Um, Like a building like Malcolm Yards, which has been very successful. It's new, but um, seems to be really hitting on all cylinders.
1: Great people over there too.
0: And and that's the kind of thing you guys could easily do here in a different way, but from a maker perspective.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think once the, the sharing of knowledge and like transparency, open books, all of that, like showing those techniques and just being inspired through that lateral yep. thinking is going to create a lot of really cool new products in yeah. market that are not just delicious and nourishing but um, sustainable environmentally.
0: Yeah, and can be more impactful in the world, as it were. Exactly. So we're going to be working together. We're having a dinner at the Lexington. It's on September 28th. And we have all of the makers from the food building, and we're coming together for a multi-course dinner that Chef Antonio has put together. He's really excited about the menu, as are we. And I think we've already, like, sold half the tickets that are out there, so that's cool. exciting. Um, Thank God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, where can people find your products right now, and what will you be doing at the Lex?
1: Yeah, um, right now, um, only retail location is going to be the food building here. Oh, excellent. Um, Over at the market. Yeah. Um, and then we're kind of doing stuff with our friends and wholesale accounts, so bars and restaurants around sure. the Twin Cities. And then we'll go public with everything after the space gets built up. Okay. Genality. And then at the Lex, we're going to do a couple of different opening cocktails featuring all the byproducts from other producers, working with Antonio on some of the food items as well. And then, yeah, party.
0: Party hardy. (laughs) Well, it's super great to spend time with you guys. Uh, I appreciate you talking to me about what you have coming up. When do we anticipate an official opening for you?
1: Oh, goodness. I I don't have that
0: date. uh, Are we thinking fall? Yes. Okay, so potentially early fall. Uh, Poor Jesse Held. You know, he was like, Earl Giles, yeah, it's going to happen, spring. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are, and he's still waiting. And it's been hard to get build out and hard to get materials. and
1: It's insane out there right now. It's yeah. really difficult. Poor general contractors. I know. Yeah, yeah
0: everybody's getting the <laughs> crap beat out of them. So. All right, well, I look forward to seeing you guys at the Lexington, and I will follow up and see when your space is open. I'll come and revisit and yeah. drink some of your delicious drinks and your delicious elixirs. I mean, ferments. Is that just? Is that like? Sure, the, what's yeah. the biggest category? Just your ferments. It sounds so weird. It sounds like we're drinking your
1: putrid yeah. coffee
0: water. But
1: yeah, The umbrellas, dope shit. Yeah,
2: because
0: yeah. yeah. I make sauerkraut, yeah. and I remember Ann Kim talking about how like she was the weird kid that when you'd go into her house, it always smelled like sauerkraut. My daughter's like, Mom, our entire cabin smells so bad. I'm like, Yeah, it's happened. This is a badge of honor. This fermenting yeasty smell. I'm very proud of it. Uh, Bacteria is cool. Yeah, it is. And the mold, like it's only cool though, if you know which ones you can keep and which ones you just have to pick (laughs) off. This is, I've been (laughs) eating moldy cheese my whole life. My mom would just be like, you just, you just cut that off. That's fine. You can still eat that cheese. Someone asked me the other day about expiration dates on my spices. And I was like, um, there isn't any, you just smell, smell it. And if it smells good, you use it and. If it doesn't smell anymore, it's probably time to recycle it. But really, expiration dates are, they were made by, like, food packagers in order to, A, comply with rules that were sort of arbitrary, and B, sell you more stuff. If it's Assets. not, yeah, if it yeah. doesn't go bad, eat it. It's fine. So thanks, guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks, Steph. Yeah.